she said, look at you, like, you're slowly dying and I can't do anything for you. And obviously I could have, I could have realized what was happening. But in my mind, I thought, okay, well, fine. I'm okay by myself. I don't need anyone. What helped me a lot was obviously to meet people, go to the beach, live my normal teenager life. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Fly With Mel. I usually use this podcast to talk about travel and self-development with people I meet along the way. Today I'm with my friend Laurie, a French young woman, very very athletic and sport girl that I discovered here in Australia. She's gonna talk about her past struggles with eating disorders and how she had to fight and recovered from it. A lot had to do with her travels and new friends here in Australia and all around the world. So take a seat and enjoy. Hi, Lorianne. Thank you for being here. Hello. How are you? I'm good, and you? I'm good, thank you. So I've mentioned a bit about you uh, previously, but mm -hmm. just to, to settle down and to start this podcast, I like to start with an icebreaker. Uh, could you just tell us three things that define Laurie? All right, well, three things I would say. Um, definitely sport. Um, I would say techno as well, which is a bit surprising. And for the last one, I would say pancakes because it's my favorite food ever. <laughs> <laughs> pancakes. Okay. Um, so Laurie, just to give a bit of context to people, I've met you here in Australia through a mobility training class and you opened up to me and shared your story, which I found very courageous from you. And then we decided to share it to the world to maybe help some or even just one listener who is suffering from eating disorders. Before we start, I want to remind everyone that we are not doctors. Uh, please don't be afraid to reach out for professional help. Eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia don't define you. These are mental illness that can be cured. I also wanted to say that you are not alone. A lot of people are suffering from it, but also fighting and recovering from it. You can and you will heal. Believe in yourself and accept external help. So Laurie, again, thank you for opening the door on this tough subject. Um, thank you. Coming back to you now, <laughs> can you tell us a bit more about your background and um, whereabouts in France are you from? Well, I'm from east of France, so close to Germany. Um, I would say, yeah, so basically my story, um, I started gymnastics when I was a baby. My daddy was my trainer and gymnastics is a massive thing in my family. My grandma, my granddad, everyone, just like a family of gymnast people. And uh, yeah, I started as a, as a baby and I just fell in love with sport and I just grew up with it. I started when I was two and I just never stopped. So it's just my whole life, basically. <laughs> is it a tough lifestyle to have when you're a young girl, a young woman? Well, it's a bit controversial because I would say on one hand, it was definitely the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but on the other hand, I had some regrets as well because I feel like I haven't grew up like a normal kid because I couldn't play with my mates after school. I was always at the gymnastic practicing every day. It wasn't a normal life, but I would do it again, definitely. <laughs> And would you say that in gymnastic, in the gymnastic industry, you have some, um, 
I don't know, um, model or inspiration to follow regarding the body, the best body, the perfect body or uh, stuff like that? Yeah, so um, the thing in gymnastic is that you have to have lots of muscles, but you have to be as lean as possible. So basically, the perfect body type as a gymnast is very skinny, very flexible, very strong and very short, like no shape and as short as possible. So yeah, like basically, if you're a tall person, you won't succeed in gymnastic. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. You have to tick all the boxes. And even in the, even if you watch like Chinese gymnasts, for example, they all look the same, like one meter 40 maybe 40 kilos and that's it and they all look the same oh. mm. so would you say that your relation with food started to be a bit um, different from all the other little girls from your age because of your practice of gymnastic yeah 100 so since i'm a kid i'm just i'm just used to this like my trainer used to wait us like it was pretty common for us like once a week She used to wait us so to check the, um, the weight on a scale. Um, obviously, we were not allowed to be too heavy. Otherwise, it would be like some kind of punishment, which is basically nothing to see with food from okay. here. It was more about train harder, like do more cardio, run more. Um, and for example, my trainer was never going to say something like, okay, you have to eat less, but she's going to say something like, oh, you should be careful. I can't, I can't lift you anymore, you know? Or stuff oh, like that. It's really hard to hear yeah. that. How old were you when you had like this kind of Oh, well, sentences? seven, eight. Wow. It wasn't the most hard, the hardest thing. It wasn't really for me. But I remember this girl, she was in the same, in the same group as me. And she was the best one by far. She was so much better than anyone else. And um, she had her period when she was like 11 years old. And she's starting to have like boobs and real shapes, shapes mm -hmm. you know. And she got kicked out of the team. And she, wow. like, for me, it was just like a shock. Like, in my mind, I made this connection that was, I'm not allowed to have my period if I want to be a good gymnast. Which means wow. you're not allowed to put on weight. Yeah. So, yeah, I made this connection. It was really, really hard. Um, but for me, it was just normal. At this stage, everything was normal. Okay. Yeah. So when did you start to have like a difficult relationship with food? Um, I used to eat a lot since I'm a kid, but because I trained, I like, I used to train every day. Mm. Food was not a problem for me. Um, I would say it happened because when I so we won the French championship in 2012, and straight after the French championship, I had a car accident with my dad. Wow. So yeah, the story is that we had this car accident. It was a massive car accident, but um, I just broke my shoulder, if I can say this like that. I just broke the shoulder. Um, could have been so much worse, but it was fine. Um, and the thing is that I had to take a break from gymnastic for six months, approximately. And during the six months, I was eating the same amount of food as I used to eat while I was training that much. And what happened is that I got my period and I became a woman. I had some boobs, shapes, and this is when everything happened for me. And how old how old were you at that time? I was 13. 13? Yeah. Okay. 13 years old and starting to 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so just to give a bit of context again to, to people, wh- how would you define eating disorders before we start to go deeper in the subject mm. here? So for me, eating disorder, it's basically when you have a problem with food. So it doesn't matter if it's something like um, you don't eat enough or you eat too much. It has, it has something to see with food and with control. So either with lack of control, which is basically bulimia, or like over control, which is anorexia. Okay. So yeah, which is, if it's either anorexia or bulimia, it's everyone thinks that it's the opposite. But the thing is that it's really connected. And most of girls that have had anorexia in the past are more subject to have bulimia. So it's around 90%, which okay. is huge. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so going back to your car accident and your shoulder and everything at 13 years old. So you were starting to eat more. And then how, like, how did it continue? It was just the beginning of the season for me. So I was meant to to get ready for the national again. Um, but because of this injury, I had to start really slow. And um, as soon as I went back to training, I realized that it was gonna be way much harder than before. Why? Because I just, I just felt heavier. I felt heavier, I felt different. I think also because of the period, you have this kind of cycle, like up and downs. And I don't know, before being a woman, every day looked kind of the same. I mean, talking about your energy level, you don't have to, this up and down thing all the time. So yeah, definitely I felt that I was completely different. I I was a bit lower in energy sometimes. And yeah, it was just different. I think just like as a normal person, um, I thought that maybe if I eat less, then I'm going to lose a bit of weight and I'm going to be even better or maybe just the same gymnast as I used to be before. Um, so I had an app on my phone, which was a kind of a calorie tracker, same thing as um, my fitness bar, but it was a French version. And same thing, like basically you had to write the amount of food or just scan the barcode at the back and it was saying how many calories there is inside and blah, blah, blah. Um, And at the beginning, for me, it was like a game. Like, I was just playing a game. And then I put something like 1,500 calories inside. And I was like, okay, I'm going to create a deficit um, so I can lose weight. But obviously, at 13 years old, you don't know anything about food and how it works. You don't know anything about the proteins, the carbs. um, It's just about a number, basically. And uh, yeah, every day I was trying to reduce a bit more. So at the beginning, I remember I used to remove all the bad food, which is like cheese, burgers, sauce, yeah. pizza. Which are not bad food in, in exactly. reality, but we, we consider them as bad food in the society. But yeah. Mm. So at this stage, yeah, basically I started with like not a lot of food, I would say. And then, I don't know, I just slowly fell into something mm. um, and I start to remove every day a bit more so like bread pasta any kind of carbs fats until i reached this stage and i was just completely cutting out carbs i remember that when i used to eat at my school like the gymnastics school um when we had chicken or fish i was wrapping it into a paper just to remove all the fat because i thought that everything was too oily 
and even my mom I couldn't eat what she was doing anymore because she was putting a bit of like you know she used to put a tiny bit of butter of oil or whatever and I just couldn't bear this image of fat or I couldn't even watch fat people in the street because it was giving me like goosebumps or whatever did you see with your own eyes changes on your body or did you have to wait for someone external to see some changes and like notice it for you well not straight away definitely the um, the weirdest thing i would say is that at the beginning when you start to lose weight Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of funny because you you've got more energy at the beginning you've got way more energy you feel lighter so i i was a good gymnast still but I remember that when I started losing weight I was able to do skills that I wasn't able to do before so I would say this was the best part of my career because I felt like I was invincible you know I was controlling my food I was exactly I don't know I was at a good level I was ready for national and um, I had no problem with my image and I remember as well that people around me they used to say oh you're a bit skinnier that's good like you look great like that Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So at the beginning, definitely, I was happy because I thought, oh, I look better and I'm a better gymnast and I've got the control. So at the beginning, nothing. Even my parents, they didn't see anything. Okay. At the beginning. And then you started to become like to be in a spiral and eating mm-hmm. less and less and less and less. And I guess there is like a point that you reach. Um, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I reached that point where my energy level was really really high and then I don't know what happened for me it's like it's like that it's just like everything happened in a second I was really high in energy and the day after I couldn't even I couldn't even go upstairs without using the lift in my house Wow! and I remember that I was really low in energy at some time at some point and um And I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror and no one used to see me like completely naked or whatever. So I remember when I used to train, um, I used to wear two or three tights on top of each other, um, a few hoodies or a few shirts, just like no one can see that I got really skinny. Um, so my parents, they couldn't see anything obviously because I was always hiding myself. The only moment I was naked was like for my shower and I used to lock the door. Mm. Um, but why so why were you uh, hiding yourself you, you've noticed that something was wrong or you just didn't want it to have anyone telling you what happened on your body well I didn't obviously I didn't want my parents to know because for me the skinnier I was maybe I was going to be like a better gymnast and I was going to be able to compete um, at my at the same level as I used to um, and once again when I was training Even my trainer, she, 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 she couldn't say anything. She was like, for her, obviously, it was a good thing. Because as I, as I said in gymnastic, you have to be really skinny. Okay. So um, she was pretty happy with my shape, I think, even though I was really skinny. But um, I knew at some point that it was, it was too much. Yeah. I started to see my, my spine popping out, like, all my vertebras and my bones and I think when I freaked out it was um, when I had some kind of hair growing on my skin Mm -hmm. it it wasn't like just normal hair it was like a little animal you know I was really furry 
And I did some research on the internet and I realized that when you're too skinny, you get cold because obviously you don't have any fat that protects you from Everything. the outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's like if my body was trying to fight against something and I had like a little fur, like an animal. <laughs> yeah. So you were hiding everything and so you didn't want it to have any help because you were feeling that you were reaching that point to become the best athlete ever, right? So you never told yourself, this is wrong. Not the first months. Um, not really. It's, it's really weird because I remember one day I went to school and I was always wearing massive hoodies. And one day I had the idea to wear like normal pants and... Um, As soon as I opened the door of the classroom, my best friend, she started to cry. And I had no idea what was wrong. And then I remember I turned around and one of my other classmates looked at me and she said, it's because of you. And I said something like, I've done nothing. And then she said, look at you, like you're slowly dying and I can't do anything for you. And obviously I could have, I could have realized what was happening. But in my mind, I thought, okay, well, fine, I'm okay by myself, I don't need anyone, um, she's not my friend if she's acting like that. So when people are trying to help you and you're not ready to get that help, you're just pushing everything away and you think that you can deal everything by yourself. Wow, mm -hmm. okay. Would you say that when this friend told you like, she noticed that something has changed, would you say that in your mind you thought that nobody was noticing anything? Do you think that sometimes when people are in this spiral of eating disorders, they are in their own world and they don't see that everyone around is noticing, but they think that, no, everything is fine and nobody's checking on you? Yeah, exactly. You think that you think that they are the problem, basically. You think that you're fine, like there's nothing wrong with you. And I remember also that she said, like, you're not funny anymore, your personality is different, we're not laughing, you're a different person. And yeah, I don't know, even at this stage, I think my mom started to say some stuff like just look at you, you're really skinny. Okay. But same thing, like you think that you're right and you think that everyone else just is completely crazy. Did you reach a point where someone told you to go and see a doctor or a hospital or I don't know, some external professional help? Yeah, so what happened is that I was so skinny at some point, so I was 36 kilos, so that was my skinniest. Um, at what what age? 14. 14. Yeah, yeah. I 14 was, years old. Yeah, I was 36 kilo, but you know when you look at the scale and, and you see the number getting lower and lower every day, it's a victory, it's not something bad. So even though I, I knew that it was like really, really like a tiny number, I wanted this number to get even smaller. And for example, so I used to weigh myself every day. And if one day the number was bigger than the previous day, I used to starve myself even more and cut my calories, like for example, 400 calories per day, which is basically nothing. So you were 36 kilos at 14 years old. Mm -hmm. What happened next to like the gap between this time until you coming here to Australia? I think it's a big, big, oh, yeah, it's a big time, gap. but yeah. 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 So um, when I was 36, I was, as I said, really low in energy. And I remember that one day, so I've got a complicated story with my dad. Um, and one day I remember I was in the kitchen and I was yelling at my mom because she put some oil in the pan or something to cook the fish. And I remember that my dad said something like, you're ugly. And 
because my dad and I, we've got such a complicated relationship. These words for me, it was the end. When I heard that, I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm gonna, gonna gain weight and and it's actually crazy. But since that day, I started eating again. So to make you realize how how one person can have such a strong impact on your life. So my dad basically saved me at this moment. But the gap is massive because after anorexia, I fell into bulimia, which was for me even worse. Like if if I think about what happened to me, bulimia for me, it's like way worse than anorexia. Because anorexia, basically, you can see that someone needs help because she's getting skinnier and skinnier. But bulimia, it can be anyone. It's a random person and you can't see any like anything on the body. It's, it's on the inside. So basically, because I started to eat again, I gained weight really quickly and I was normal weight again, like 40, 42. But because obviously I gained weight really quickly, I had some, you know, this kind of star on the belly, scar. Scars? Yeah. Um, and then I thought, oh, I'm, I'm gaining weight, but too quick. And obviously because I, I used to starve myself with all the bad food. When I started to eat the bad food again, my brain just went completely crazy. I was like, whoa, that's so good. Um, I need this food, only this food. And I was eating only carbs and chocolate and, and pizza and everything. Cause I thought I need to gain weight quickly. So I need to find a way to, you know, and when I realized that, oh, like I was getting fat, yeah, but not, it wasn't the body that I used to have, you know, I was getting this dirty fat was like, when you're skinny, you know, skinny fat person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was, I was slowly becoming this type of person. And then I don't even know who it happened, but I remember that one day I was watching TV and I was eating cereals in a box. And at some point I realized that I ate the whole box of cereals. Yeah. And then I remember, and I, I, th- I remember that one day I heard something saying, "Oh, I, I used to vomit, you know." And I remember I was, I went to the bathroom and I put my fingers in my mouth, and I vomit, mm. and I thought, "Wow, like you can, you can eat whatever you want, and then you can, you can just vomit, and then that's it." Mm-hmm. And I started to eat and vomit and eat and vomit and. I couldn't, I couldn't eat normally after that again because I thought um, when I eat something and I don't vomit it, I'm going to get fat straight away. And at the beginning, it was something like one episode per day. So when I say episode, it means you go to the supermarket, you buy lots of dirty food and you plan to vomit it. Okay. So for me, that's one episode. At the beginning, it was one, then two until it was like, I reached that point where it's like maybe five or six a day. Um, as I said at the beginning, you couldn't even see it on me because I was still normal. But I remember that at some point, I started to vomit blood. Wow. Because I, yeah, it was just too much, obviously. And sometimes it was taking even like a few hours. Like, it was really, really intense. My eyes were completely blotted. My face was swollen. I looked like a little hamster all the time. My voice was completely broken, destroyed. And obviously people around me started to realize that, oh, I wasn't the same, you know? And I always had good excuses, you know? I was like, oh, I'm sick, or oh, I'm tired, you know? It's really easy. 
And when you've got bulimia, people don't, they don't really think. They just like, oh, okay, she's tired, fine. Done. But where are you feeling? Where are you feeling down? Wow, sorry, it's, it's very intense. Where are you feeling down um, when you were doing all these things? Like, where are you feeling that you didn't have any energy to follow your day or even to think properly or whatever? Oh, well, the only thing I was thinking about was food. Because okay. at this stage, it was my drug. So same thing as someone is alcoholic or need drugs, food was my drug. And when you've got an episode, you, you've got euphoria. Mm -hmm. So for example, I, I, was, I was like an animal. I, I couldn't recognize myself. I used to say that there was another person living in inside of me. Mm -hmm. And when I wasn't hungry or wasn't thinking about food, this other person was asleep. And for example, when I thought about, oh, I'm gonna have an episode, this person would be awake and this person was controlling me. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't fight against this dark side of me. I couldn't do anything. And I just, yeah, bought lots of food, eat everything, vomit it. And then of course you're really low in energy because you spend fucking half an hour being upside down. I remember, and this is actually, it's a weird thing, but, Because I'm a gymnast, I used to do handstand. So I was doing handstand for like five or 10 minutes, hoping that the food was gonna, you know, get out easier. And um, yeah, of course you're low in energy because you don't keep anything. All the food goes out. So um, low in energy, but also when you vomit, I felt like I was vomiting myself as well. Like I had no more. I wasn't happy, I, I had no emotions, but the scariest part is that I couldn't feel any pain. I wasn't sad, I, I wasn't crying, I wasn't happy, I couldn't feel anything. And people around me, they could talk to me, they could buy me some stuff, they could, I don't know, organize stuff for me. I wasn't happy, I wasn't, I couldn't feel anything. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow, um, okay. Thank you for sharing all of this, first of all, before we start to go to the next part. Um, it's very, very tough. It's very intense. And thank you for sharing this. There is one quote that I had in mind when you were sharing everything. It's like, you can say that you've healed when you can tell your story without crying. Um, I, I don't want to say that you've completely healed because we will see that after. But I, I want to say that you're very, very strong uh, being sitting here and just telling all of this because it's it's hard to tell these kind of stories and to come back to the past. Um, I want also to remind everyone that if you have any addiction, which is like rather food or anything else, you can always reach out for help. If you are listening to this and you're struggling right now, please take a moment to call someone who is close to you to just say, help me. Um, I have Laurie in front of me today and I'm really happy to have her and I'm very proud of her to share all of this. But a lot of people around suffer from eating disorders and um, reach a certain point in their life because they never wanted to ask for help. And you can, you can die from it. You can die. You can have heart attack. You can, um, you can lose a lot of energy, hair, uh, blood, a lot of everything you can lose everything basically and not even just physically you can also lose everyone around you so reach out for help uh, whenever you can because you will feel just definitely better so Laurie um, I just want to talk now about 
everything that happened after that because you're here you're smiling you're full of energy and you're like such a beautiful little woman i don't want to say little but we are both of us very very small um but you're here in australia so how long have you been here for and why did you decide to to come to australia um and where you at that stage still in this bulimia spiral so i mean i've been in australia since two and a half years now so basically i came here it was It was not planned at all. But as I said, um, when I had bulimia, I decided to study in another city in France. So I thought that running away from my home was maybe the solution for me. So I had my own apartment um, and bulimia got even worse because obviously I could have all my episodes whenever I wanted. And then this bulimia thing was just like keep going and again and again for like six years so it was really really long um, and basically what happened when I was 19 I reached that point where I thought um, I can't I can't do it anymore um, did you have anything anything happen any important thing happen in your life or just one day you woke up and you were like that's it oh yeah I just I just couldn't I, I had two options in my mind at this stage it was either Either you leave and you run away and you go somewhere else and you start all over again or you just or you just kill yourself basically. I had these two options. Um, um, yeah, it was I remember that day I it was just after an episode and I, as you said, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack because I don't know I couldn't vomit and I was just I felt my heart beating really, really fast. And straight after I called my mom and I said, All right, mom, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere else. I'm gonna go in, in New York. So basically I wanted to go to to the US. Okay. And my mom, I remember that day she said something like, You can go, but I need to know why you wanna leave and at this point I couldn't tell her. I was I wasn't ready. So I just said something like, If you wanna if you want me to stay alive, let me go. Yeah. So basically, I started well, to go. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's hard for a mom to listen to, to hear that, but yeah, but I couldn't say more than this. It was my maximum, and I just I started to do some researches to become an au pair and work um, in the US or in New York or whatever. And the funny thing is that I couldn't find any family in New York, and I really wanted to go away. And someone talked to me about Australia and I didn't even want it to go to Australia. I was like, I'm not really into nature. I like big cities. I like the US. I want to, yeah. And I really wanted to go away. So obviously I started to do some researches and I found some good families here in Sydney. And yeah, I just, I packed my stuff, booked my plane, did my visa stuff online. Everything went pretty, pretty quick. And yeah, basically I came here for like six months. I think like everyone, you don't have any expectation when you <laughs> yes. when you first come here. Um, and as I arrived here, everything was really hard because obviously bulimia was still part of me. And it was, it was really, really hard because I was living with the family. So having episode was actually quite impossible because I was always with the kids or with the parents. Um, and also it wasn't my food so I couldn't um, just buy some stuff and 
and I wasn't living in the city. I was living in Lenkov, which is like far from from the city center. So I had to stop to have episodes because I couldn't have any. Um, and it's it was actually really, really hard because, you know, when you want to have something and you can't have it, you feel like an animal. I was shaking. My whole body was shaking. I thought I was going to drive crazy. I used to hit walls. I, I was like a lion in a cage, seriously. <laughs> um, but I would say what helped me a lot was obviously to meet people, go to the beach, live my normal teenager life, going out and just, yeah, working as well with the kids. I was just thinking about other stuff and I wasn't obsessed that much with food anymore. Um, the thing is that when you a bulimia nervosa, so that's what I am, it's like, it's linked to the emotions, mm-hmm. which means that when I'm down, I'm gonna have an episode. So when something happens to me, like for example, a breakup, or if there's something happening to my family or whatever, this is when episodes are gonna happen to me. So because I was here, I had less anxiety and less bad stuff, I would say. So that's why I had less episodes, but I still had some. Okay. Mm. But how did you manage um, these these phases of being down or emotional feelings? How did you do that? How did you replace the food by something else? Oh, I just I, I replaced the food by seeing my friend, having moments, and you know when you when you bulimia, you obsessed with food, but it's like twenty four seven. It's like I used to wake up during the night, being shaking, like heat waves, and just going to the kitchen, being this animal, crazy, eating everything, like things that doesn't even make any sense. Um, even like, I used to open the freezer and eat frozen food, like it doesn't even make any sense, but still, I just needed to be full. Um, and yeah, when, you, when you're when you surrounded by people and you enjoy your moments here, you kind of think about something else. I remember that at the beginning, this these moments were really, really short, mm-hmm. but I remember that Even if it was really short, I was still happy with this really, really short moment because before, back in France, I had no moments where I was happy. I thought that I was dead inside and alive from the outside. Mm. But when I came in Australia, I actually realized that I was still a normal person. You know, I used to cry, to laugh. I used to have emotions. So would you say that in like in some point you, you saved yourself by yourself <laughs> by coming here to Australia and mm. by meeting new people discovering yourself as well and just being in an environment which was totally new and different your brain was so busy to discover new things that you were not so busy thinking about food all the time and also because you knew that you couldn't uh, would you say that it was a bit like that that when you go out of your comfort zone so that's where something else happened and um, maybe you can save yourself yeah you're completely right and also the thing I want to add is that when you live in France the perfect girl I would say the idea of the beautiful woman she's skinny she doesn't have any muscles I remember when I was younger because I was like a gymnast like high-level gymnastic um, I've got a massive back I've got this triangle shape, which is athletic, but still like, and my friend, even people from my school used to call me the man, because obviously I was looking like a little bodybuilder. Um, That's hard to say that. I mean, young, yeah, 
teenagers and, when you're and young, young people. You don't yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't realize. But as you grow up and you're a teenager, it's hard because when you're like 16, 17, you've never had a boyfriend before. You think that men are useless or whatever. Like it's hard because you just want to be like a normal girl. You just want to have people that thinks you're attractive and everything. And I think what helped me a lot in Australia is that the fitness industry here in Australia is really massive. And in Australia, the perfect woman has muscles. She has lots of muscles. She's, yeah, it's completely different. Mm -hmm. So I felt way more comfortable being here than in France, where I was this little bulky person, you okay. know? Yeah, you felt like you were fitting in the right box here. I mean, better than in France where completely the society is different and more like strict with food and regarding bodies exactly i felt like yeah i felt like i was finally where i was meant to be since the beginning so would you say that you've recovered uh slowly slowly step by step in australia um since you arrived exactly so um, it wasn't easy obviously there's up and there's downs and You can tell we're here, we've got relationships, we've got friends. It's also hard because lots of people are coming, but lots of people go as well. Um, so Emotions are always up and down, it's true. Exactly. It's true. And sometimes it's like even deeper and extreme emotions mm. because you're far away from home and from your comfort zone. Exactly. But the fact that I had emotions was already a big step. And, um, and yeah, obviously... I had some hard times and I can say that I still had some episodes. Even I, I still have some episodes, you know. But when I compare myself right now to myself in the past, I used to have like between five and ten episodes per day. And now it's like one every three or four months, mm -hmm. which is like nothing to compare. Like it's, you know. Before. Yeah. Mm. But it's, it's still in me, obviously. Would you say that you can recover entirely from this? Or maybe one day in the future you see yourself like recovering uh, entirely from this? To be honest, I think that people with, um, people with eating disorder, I think that you can't recover completely because it's, it's obviously a part of you. It's in you. Um, I've been fighting against eating disorder since now mm, 10 years more than half of my life so it's still in me and I'm fighting every day I can tell that it's not easy and it still happens but it's all about um, when it happens you have to you have to you have to leave it and you have to forgive yourself and you have to move on and you have to realize that life is still beautiful and that you can keep going and it's not a big deal if you had one episode it's fine but yeah you have to live with it But it's, I don't think it would ever completely leave me. It's part of me. Mm. But would you say that today, because you grew up and everything, if tomorrow you can have some help, professional help, would you go for it? Yeah, 100%. Well, I had some help at some point. I used to see someone here. Um, she was really, really helpful. Because um, I finally made this connection between food and emotions. Because basically I thought that it was only a problem with food, mm -hmm. you know. When you bully me or when you've got anorexia, you think that, oh, the problem is food. But the problem isn't food. You're just trying to, to fulfill a problem that is in you. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to find a physical way to, to, yeah, to fulfill this hole. But basically it's not about food. It's about emotions. So you have to he heal something that have happened to you in the past. And for me, I realized with this person that helped me 
that my problem was my dad and the relationship that I've got with him but I forgave him and I'm still working on it but yeah since that I realized that the problem wasn't food but it was my dad now I'm working on it and I know that obviously food is just the physical thing it's not the real problem so yeah so maybe one day you will be fully recorded um, and enjoying life again but I know that you're already enjoying it and I know <laughs> you're already on the on the right track um, and about that um, I know that you have some next life challenges um, so do you want to tell us a bit about what is happening now in your life for your future mm -hmm. so I'm working in the fitness industry I'm working in fitness first I really fell in love with this fitness industry thing and I decided to challenge myself and um, I'm gonna do the ICN competition in October mm -hmm. which is a bodybuilding competition and at the real beginning I thought I'm not gonna be able to make it because all this food thing so basically you have to track your food you have to go into a calorie deficit you have to be really really strict to yourself and disciplined And before that, I used to promise myself, like, do never put a track food on your phone anymore. Don't use this. It's bullshit. Just eat whatever you want, whatever mm. you want. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good challenge because I want to prove to myself that I can still control. Even though I felt like I lose control for like eight years. Mm. Um, so it's going to be really hard. The training part isn't scary for me. But the food tracking part is definitely the scariest part. Are you going to have some assistance for that? Do you have like someone who is going to help you to track and to make sure that you're not losing the track? <laughs> um, so I've got a really good coach. The reason why I decided to do it is because I finally met that coach. Mm -hmm. I think when you meet this person and that you feel like you're really comfortable with the person and the person really like... This guy, he's really on the same page as me on lots of things. And I don't know, it was just a sign for me. I realized that he was the good one. Also, my posing coach is one of my best friends that I've got here. So for me, it's just lots of signs that was like, okay, you have to do it now. It's mm -hmm. the right time. Obviously, my coach knows. And we had a big conversation about that before mm -hmm. because he thinks that it's maybe not ideal for me to do it. But he also thinks that I would be great if I do it and um, that I can do it because of my gymnastic background and all this competing stuff. I'm really competitive and mm -hmm. if I do something, I do it 120%. I'm never going to give up. So um, I'm pretty excited, a bit stressed as well. Mm -hmm. But if I, can, if I can do it, in the end, I'll be the happiest person on earth. You're yeah. going to promise yourself also to ask for help if you need help. Um, and to make sure that you take care of yourself because we are going to watch you we are going to be here <laughs> next to you but you have to promise yourself to, to always take care mm. for real <laughs> I could spend hours to talk about all this subject again and again because I know that it's, it's touching so many girls um, I know a lot of guys as well but a lot of girls around me and I'm having this conversation a lot um, So I want to I wanna make sure that we can help. So do you have to, to wrap up, just do you have some advices to give to someone who is suffering right now from anorexia or bulimia and thinking that it's just the, the like, I mean, there is no recovery possible. There is no, you know, like the end of the, of the road. Uh, mm. There is no light. So first of all, I want to 
I want to talk to to everyone like it's hard to say but when you when you suffer from anorexia you have to accept the fact that people are going to try to help you and do not reject these people because obviously they want to help but i know that it's the hardest part when you've got people trying to help you you don't want any help at this stage you don't want any help um so if you know someone that is suffering from anorexia do not try to tell this person listen you need help listen i'm going to hear i'm going to i'm going to help you don't say that just try to stay around this person make sure that it's not going too far and just stick around and act as if nothing's happening i know it's hard to say but when you try to help you it's actually making the opposite you're making the situation way worse so the hardest part is that it has to come from yourself so if you want to heal you have to wait until you reach that point and you feel like now i'm ready to heal but as long as it doesn't come from you it's not going to work so yeah and the the advice that i want to give to this people that suffers from anorexia bulimia or whatever is that for me you have to make a change in your life and you have to accept the fact that there's something wrong you have to find what it is um most of the time it's something that is linked with your past with your parents with your with what you had in your childhood or whatever so you have to find the problem at the beginning and realize that food isn't the problem okay that's what i can say <laughs> thank you thank you so much for sharing all of this and for being so open and so vulnerable with us uh, Laurie, i know it's hard um an addiction like any addiction any type of addiction is always hard and it's always hard to talk about it and to just open uh, about that but you've you've done so well so mm -hmm. thank you Uh, I can just I can only wish you luck for your competition, your ICN competition. I'm gonna I'm gonna mm. watch that um, from I'll be around I'll be around <laughs> you. Um, so thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, <laughs> and again, to anyone who is listening and struggling these days, look around. You have people uh, who are here for you and just uh, who just wanna be here even more for you and take care of you. Mm. So stay open, stay fine, take care and. Uh, And yeah, always take care of you. Thank you, Laurie. No worries. Bye, Mel. It was a pleasure. Bye.